0: On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the MotoGP Portuguese Grand Prix and the mixed-weather F1 race at Amala. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rev Hang. No longer Rev Hangout, because I think Rev Hang is a little bit snappier. Alongside me in cyberspace is my good friend and co-host, Ben Bagley. How are you on this fine evening, Ben?
1: We took out three letters from the name, and yet somehow I'm still tired.
0: Yep, less weight to carry, but you know, still the same struggles.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's been a long week, uh, for me. Uh I'm sure for you and I'm sure for the Ferrari uh F1 team.
0: Yes, it has been. Um I'm sorry this episode is a couple of days delayed. We've had some scheduling issues come up and uh but you know, we're here. It is now Wednesday, this should hopefully be up by Thursday. And uh, we'll be back again in about a week and a half, hopefully. So, yep, this week we are talking about the Portuguese Grand Prix for MotoGP and the Imola GP for Formula One. There wasn't too much in the racing world to talk about, but uh, I guess we'll just dive right in nonetheless. So we'll start with MotoGP at the Portuguese Grand Prix. Uh, This track is one of my favorites for cars and motorbikes alike. It's very difficult for motorcycles. It's the Portimao circuit, which is in southern Portugal. Uh, there's lots of hills. Like This is one of the most undulating circuits in the world, I believe, in terms of popular circuits. But um, yeah, I really like this circuit. It's super, super challenging for everybody who drives it. But uh, MotoGP went here this week, so we'll talk about qualifying real quick. Wasn't too eventful, but uh, the top 10 in qualifying were Johan Zarco on pole, followed by joan Mir, Alessio Spargaro, Jack Miller, Fabio Quartararo, Marco bedzeki Alex Marquez, Luca Marini, Mark Marquez, and Paula Spargaro. So, qualifying wasn't too bad. There, were, I mean, honestly, MotoGP got the pretty. Pretty good deal this week. It was Moto Two where things kind of, kind of kicked off, which is the class just below Moto GP. The bikes are a little bit slower.
1: Yeah, it didn't really seem to save a lot of the riders through one very particular corner.
0: Yeah, in Moto in Moto Two, I should say the um, the weather was a very big part of the race and uh, their whole weekend, really. Um, But it rained during the race and almost every driver that went through the second corner wiped out completely, slid right off the track uh, because they just lost grip too quickly. Um, I think only three or four drivers actually made it through, but it was a massive accident with, you know, 10 to 15 drivers, (laughs) riders like sliding out and bikes flying everywhere and one of them exploded. It was crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was it was kinda like watching a Mario Kart replay. You just saw people just sliding comically quickly. Uh <laughs> I know you said the Moto G P two bikes are not quite as fast, but man, that's still a lot of speed to be carrying if you're just flown off the bike. Uh the armor that they have is kinda cool. I can kinda watch some of them just kinda dip off the bike and skid for a while on the tarmac before they stopped.
0: Yeah, their armor is 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 absolutely ridiculous in terms of the amount of impact it can take and still protect the rider. That's that's one of the reasons why I think MotoGP still exists today, because, I mean, people die a lot, even still today. It's such a dangerous sport, but the armor protects drivers in most, most crashes, and riders driver, will walk away from pretty serious accidents that <laughs> they wouldn't have otherwise, otherwise.
1: Yeah, I'm not planning on crashing at 120 miles an hour on a bike anytime soon, but... I still right. kind of want some of that armor.
0: Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, Jack Miller had a bit of a, a spill. Was that at corner two also during the MotoGP race? Uh,
0: that was in corner one. Corner one. Uh, so the way the Portimao track works, the first two corners are both right-handers after a really long straight. So the right. first corner is high-speed, high-speed, um, but it's still a pretty tight corner, and then you actually have to brake and slow down for the next right-hander, uh, which, so the second one, the second corner is where all the Moto2 bikes slid off because under braking in the wet, that's when you lost traction, whereas if they just rolled on the throttle, they might have been better off. But uh, the first corner uh, was where Jack Miller had his spill and took out, uh, I believe, Juwan Mir, who had a great start in the race, um, that was really the big the big part of the race was the start. The uh, Juan Mir started in, what was it, second place? Yeah. And moved up to first instantly off the start because uh, Zarco got a pretty bad launch off the line. But uh, another, a couple other drivers got good starts too. Uh, Alex Rins moved up from 23rd place to 10th place by the end of lap one, which was nuts. <laughs> yeah, he had a great ride. Yeah. He even, yeah, he he got all the way up to fourth by the end of the race. He was just absolutely flying through the field. And the fact that he didn't, he basically didn't qualify. He was at the very back at the beginning of the race. And after one lap was already more than halfway through the field. It was pretty nuts. But that was really Absolute. exciting to watch.
1: Lewis Hamilton 2021 season moment.
0: Oh, yeah. Back in, like, Brazil, right? Yep. Yeah. So... The results, let's just go into the results real quick, because uh, not not too much more happened. Uh, Fabio Quartararo won the race. He drove off into the distance, really. After the start, he, he passed Mir on lap three, I believe, and uh, rode off into the distance, and no one touched him. Uh, but this is his first win of the season. He was the world champion last year, so I'm sure he is very happy to get his first win on the board. And get his championship fight underway because now he is leading the championship for the first time this season. So, after Cordero came Zarco and then Alays Espargaro, followed by Alex Rins, Miguel Oliveira, Mark Marquez, Alex Marquez, Francesco Becniaia, Paul Espargaro, and Maverick Vinales in 10th place. Alrighty. Let us move on to what I know for a fact is my favorite series. Oh. I don't know about you, Ben. Oh,
1: Can I say can I say the name of the Grand Prix?
0: Yes. Yes, Ben. Tell yes. us. We, we're moving okay. on to Formula One. This... We're
1: moving on to the Formula One Rolex. Gran Premio del Made in Italy. A dell'Emilia Romagna 2022.
0: Yeah. <sighs> At what the a very... And the
1: Enzo Edino Ferrari.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh the track isn't even, like, it's, the track has a long name, too. It's, (laughs) they really like the, uh, they really like to stretch stuff out, out there. (laughs) Yeah, uh,
1: it's a little extra, I think, but, you know, it's fine. They gotta get all those sponsors in there.
0: Yep, they gotta get all the sponsors in there, just like IndyCar. Um, (laughs) but for simplification, we will be calling it the Emily gp because that's what everybody else called it. <laughs> yeah, which um, is
1: kind of funny, because Imola doesn't actually show up any point during the official name of the circuit or the race.
0: Right, Imola is just the city that the track is in, which is kind of how it works in Italy, I believe, because uh, Monza is also the name of the town that uh, the track is in. That's fair enough. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this long name sure makes it uh, fun to watch the announcers struggle through that every every session.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially given British announcers' tendency to heinously mispronounce most foreign names and titles.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But uh, yeah, so F1 returned to Imola this week. It's the first or the third race back after quite a long sabbatical. Um, this track is very high power, high speed corners, uh, and then a lot of also really hard braking zones into tight chicanes that, uh, it's a really tough track for drivers and, uh, some of the great names in motorsports history have had some pretty, pretty horrific accidents here, um. But also, some pretty insane wins here. Uh, we've had some crazy races, and a lot of people love this track. It's a really fun, flowing track. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's where we were this week. Um, we had this is the first sprint race of the season. There are three total. Uh, they are talking about moving to six total in the future, but that is not confirmed yet. As of right now, But basically the sprint race is after qualifying but before the race, it is one third the distance of the race and one third the points are awarded as well to the top eight drivers. So qualifying sets the order for the sprint race in terms of the start and then in the sprint race, uh, that sprint race at the end of it determines the order for the main feature race. So that's kind of how it works. It's kind of like a weird qualifying race, which didn't really work out, in my opinion, too well last year. It was kind of boring. However, I attribute that mostly to the fact that points were only awarded to the top three drivers in last year's sprint races, whereas now it's the top eight, so that will encourage more racing, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure, especially since the cars are much closer together anyways. There's a lot more incentive for people to get their elbows out a bit more.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, The cars are a lot closer together. Performance is pretty equal. We've seen a lot of cars shifting around this season. Uh, We'll talk about Aston Martin's resurgence. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's really good to see the racing closer in the sprint race, especially. The sprint race was really good. It was the best sprint race we've had so far by a long shot.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm still quite entirely sold on the whole concept of a sprint race overall. I mean, obviously I like more racing, but in terms of logistics it does seem like a lot uh, to add on to a weekend, but maybe give it a a couple more sprint races and I'll come around.
0: Right. I think we'll just have to see. I I enjoy the sprint race. Obviously it's just more racing but there are also downsides for the teams especially because it costs money to run a race car and so you have to buy more tires, more fuel. You just if you it gives you a higher chance of wrecking your car. So it's just it, it's just a bunch of added risk and cost to the teams, which is why a lot of them are fighting this and not don't really want the sprint races in uh, in the sport right now. But um, hopefully they continue to be good. Uh, this one was pretty exciting. Um, we'll go through qualifying. The qualifying order was. Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris, Magnussen, Alonso, Ricardo, Perez, Bottas, Vettel, Sainz, Russell, Schumacher, Hamilton, Joe, Stroll, Sunoda, Gasly, Latifi, Ocon, and Albon. So that was the starting order for the sprint race. The the sprint race was tons of fun to watch. Uh, The start was where Max actually lost the lead. He had a gear sync issue on his start. It was slightly wet to begin the race on the track, and so um, it was tricky tricky to get that 1,000-horsepower car started without too much wheel spin. But, um, yeah, on the start, he had a gear sync issue and dropped to second place by the first turn. Um, Perez had a really good start, uh, gained two positions on the first lap, so after the first lap, it was Leclerc and then Max and then Sergio Perez. Um, on the first lap, Pierre Gasly and Yu Zhou crashed, uh, sending Zhou into the wall. Um, that caused the safety car, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was hard to tell whose fault that one was. I think it was pretty much a racing incident. They both. Left each other some room, but they kinda just tagged each other.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: So um I would put it a little more on Joe. You could have moved over maybe a little bit more on the exit of the corner, but uh yeah, I think racing incident was fair. So safety car came out on lap one and then ended on lap six. So after the safety car came out, we had signs passing Alonzo on the next lap and then oh actually think Perez, no Perez started in seventh so he wasn't third at the end of the first lap he was fifth sorry about that Um, but uh, Kevin Magnuson started dropping back after that he was on the medium tires along with his teammate Mick Schumacher and then everybody else kinda just flew past him because everybody else was on soft tires that was one of the big Weird talking points of the uh, the sprint race was the Haas, both Haas cars were on the medium tires, and uh, people didn't really know why they did that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of an interesting strategy compared to the rest of the field, but it they dropped back a little bit versus qualifying for sure, but they were able to pick up a little bit uh, in the actual race. But one wonders what might have been if they had been able to more closely retain their positions. From qualifying,
0: right. I guess I don't know what Haas was, what their uh, thought process was, but uh, in an interview after the sprint race, Kevin Magnussen said he was absolutely shocked when he found out that everybody else was on soft tires. So um, yeah, it seems like that was pretty much their plan the whole time, and uh, they didn't really realize everybody else was going out on softs. Yeah, because kind of.
1: The trend for some of these races, at least at the start of the season, has been that the medium tire has almost no downside versus the soft tire, but maybe we just haven't found the right track where that really comes into play, and Haas is kind of still on that trend, whereas everybody else had kind of figured out that the soft was performing better, at least in terms of speed, at this track for a sprint race.
0: Right. Yeah. Now tires tires definitely react differently on different tracks just because the, the turns are all obviously different. So the the way the tire heats up is different everywhere. So if you get one tire heating up more than another, it's going to lose certain amounts of grip, and that's going to affect the way the car drives. So, yeah, different cars affect tires different ways, and this one benefited the soft tires more than other tracks have this year so far. But, uh, yeah, after that, kind of halfway through the race, Ricardo passed Magnuson. Uh, and, and he really just kept <laughs> dropping down. Um, Perez passed Norris on lap 11, and then uh, Sainz was making his way through the field towards the end of the race as well and passed the McLaren of Danny Ricardo on lap 14. Um, Valtteri Bottas also had a good sprint race, uh, making his way up to 7th and um, passing Alonso and Magnussen. Um, and then finally, to end the sprint race off, Max Verstappen was able to recover from his poor start and pass Charles Leclerc on lap 20 of 21 to win the sprint race and take pole position for the future race the next day.
1: Yeah, Sainz and Ricardo especially, I noticed, had a really, really good sprint race. Uh, I really hope nothing bad happens to other them during the first lap of the actual race.
0: Yeah, it would be a really sh- really, really, big shame, because Carlos Sainz had a really good, really good sprint race, and uh, yeah, like you said, Ricardo did as well, so hopefully Daniel nothing... Daniel
1: really needs the confidence booster. Yeah. Just to have a really clean drive.
0: Yeah, that's the goal for... Yeah, because Sainz has had his DNF in Australia as well, so they're both looking for clean drives, so hopefully nothing, nothing too bad happens to him at the beginning, or during the race, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's go, before we get to <laughs> oh, that, no. let's go through the results for the uh, sprint race. It was Verstappen, followed by Leclerc, Perez, Sainz, Norris, Ricardo, Bottas, Magnussen, Alonso, Schumacher, Russell, Sunoda, Vettel, Hamilton, Stroll, Ocon, Gasly, Albon, Latifi, and Joe. Okay, moving on to the feature race. Um, The start, of course. (laughs) Uh, Both Ferraris had a bad start. It was wet on the track again. Uh, All the cars started on intermediates this time, which is. uh, There are three compounds of dry tires and two compounds of wet tires. The dry tires are soft, medium, and hard. Um, There are different compounds used at different tracks but first (laughs) for these purposes we'll just say they're soft, medium, and hard today makes it easier that way yeah and uh, the intermediate and wet tires are the uh, designated tires for when it is raining Um, intermediates are for kind of lighter rain conditions when the tracks not super wet but it is damp and still slippery on slick tires Uh, And then the full wet tires are, as you would imagine, tires for when it is raining very heavily.
1: Yep, standing water.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: And an important thing to note with both the intermediate and wet tires is that they're a very, very soft compound. That doesn't handle heat very well because obviously you're driving through rain, uh, rain and wet, so you want the tires to be able to heat up as much as possible despite being dredged through water all the time. So as the tires begin to experience more dry pavement, they will overheat much more quickly than any normal dry tire, and you'll see that kind of start to affect drivers, uh, as we did during the uh, early parts of this race, once the track started drying out.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ben. Um, Intermediates do not like dry track, Um, neither do the wets. Uh, They will absolutely go off the cliff and um lose all their grip within a lap or two if it's if there's not enough water on the track. But uh, so everybody started on intermediates on this race. Uh, both Ferraris of Leclerc and Science had bad starts. Ricardo and signs out of the first corner crashed into each other, sending signs into a spin, uh, into the gravel trap as well, where he was beached and unable to, return to the racetrack. Um, Daniel Ricciardo was, luckily enough, able to kind of get out of the gravel trap and onto the grass and drive back onto the track eventually. But uh, for Carlos Sainz, that was the end of his day, and Daniel Ricciardo rejoined in last place.
1: Yeah, and uh, the benefit of recording this podcast a little bit later, we were able to get some more insight on the repercussions, so Daniel it seems had some diffuser damage at some point on his car during that incident that ended up really hampering his race pace and I'm glad he went to apologize because if he had not being in Italy, I don't know if he would have made it out
0: oh yeah (laughs) yeah that was uh, probably part of what informed his decision (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It was, I mean, I would say it was more his fault, for sure. The accident. Yeah, it was
1: was pretty clearly his mistake.
0: Yeah, he went too hard on the inside curb of the turn as Carlos Sainz was going around the outside of him. Sainz left him all the space in the world, but, uh, Ricardo lost grip, and in the process of trying to keep his car from spinning, kind of just drove into Carlos. Um... And unfortunately, took him out of the race. And also, I believe was it Bottas that kind of tapped him on the, on the back. I think that's where his diffuser damage came from. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So well uh, yeah, while he was crashing with signs, Bottas behind him <laughs> came up and bonked him on the back too, which caused his uh, diffuser damage, and that made him pretty slow for the rest of the race. As you will find out. <laughs> yep. But uh Yep, so unfortunately the two drivers that really needed confidence boosters and good clean races and good results uh crashed into each other and took each other out.
1: Yeah, that was uh pretty unfortunate to see the race end so quickly. Yeah. For signs. He had a, a really good sprint race, and especially in Italy. This is kind of his chance to make sure he stayed even uh, remotely close to Leclerc in the drivers' championships, and wonder yeah. how he'll be able to pull himself out at this point.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but Leclerc is prone to mistakes, which we'll talk about. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, he's not. This perfect, is as we found out. Right, and it's it's not even a, you know, it's not even like a just this year thing. Like he's always been. So on the limit that he he crashes a lot. <laughs> so yeah, you know there's there are gonna be opportunities I'm sure for signs to claw his way back into this championship, but he needs to start winning races, and uh, I'm sure he's just as just as eager to do that as uh, we are to see it because he has not won a race yet and he has a car that can clearly win races. So yeah. So going back to Leclerc, Leclerc had his poor start and was passed by Perez. Who uh, was in second place for the rest of the race? Um, so yeah, at the front after that, it was uh, pretty uneventful. Verstappen drove way off into the distance and completed his first Grand Slam of the season, his second ever. So really good job for him this weekend. He absolutely killed it the entire the entire three days. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, going back to your stats, Ben, I know you love so much. Uh, I love Verstappen stats. still, still has won every single race he's finished.
1: <laughs> a great record, to be sure. Of course. Something to be really proud of.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you finish a race and uh, you've only won, I mean, you got to be doing something right, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Man, the math doesn't work out to why he hasn't been winning the Drivers' Championship.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's it's a mystery, but <laughs> to be fair, yeah, all four Red Bulls finished this race. So yeah
1: on that topic, do you think Red Bulls kind of started to figure out their reliability issues or was this just kind of a stroke of luck for them
0: this weekend? uh I don't know. I mean it, I would hope they've fixed their reliability issues considering Max is on his third engine, but uh it's hard to say. I mean it's only one race, really on the new setup because they brought a bunch of upgrades to Imola and they're bringing more upgrades to Miami.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, uh, more opportunities to put my foot in my mouth regarding Red Bull reliability.
0: So yeah, hopefully
1: they uh, have it all figured out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so yeah, at the front, it didn't really change much after that. Uh, Leclerc was pestering Perez for most of the race, but never was able to pass him or even really, really threaten him in any way until the pit stop. But uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, Alonso was uh, involved in an incident that we never actually got to see, and there's no r- real replay <laughs> evidence either. But yeah. half of his sidepod flew off on the straight while Alonso, or while he was racing Hamilton, or was it Russell or Hamilton? It was one of the two. I think it was Hamilton.
1: Hamilton uh, was back, so I'm pretty sure it was him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. No, actually, it was Russell, because oh, Alonso started 9th, and Russell started 11th. Oh, yeah. You're so, right. So, okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, half of his side pod flew off. There was a little tiny hole in it, and then I guess it probably caught enough air and accumulated enough air pressure inside to rip the car in half, essentially. Uh, or at least the body work off, the car was still running, but, uh, yeah, Alonso had too much damage to continue with his exposed radiator, and the cooling, I'm sure, was not nearly as efficient after that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm sure that causes a number of problems for somebody when almost half of your aerodynamic devices fly off the car.
0: Yeah, (laughs) not ideal. So, unfortunately, he had to retire from the race on, I believe, lap. 8, lap 6 or 8, I think. It may, I think it was 6, actually.
1: It was pretty early, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, after that, um, kind of in the next 10 laps, Magnuson and Russell had a little, had a little battle. Uh, Russell passed him into turn 1, but overshot it. Uh, and ran wide, which let Magnuson pass again in turn 2. Um, but then the next lap, Russell passed him back again. So <laughs> that was kind yeah. of their battle. It was, you know, Imola is one of those tracks where all of the overtaking seems to happen at turn one. Yeah. Um, there's there's a few tracks like that where it's just so hard to overtake and the only opportunity to overtake is after the long straight. But uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Imola is definitely like that. There was only one overtake I remember happening not in turn one pretty much this entire weekend that wasn't you know on the first lap or whatever um
1: yeah because i mean if you're not overtaking it turn one you're stuck with a number of chicanes and then just a whole bunch of high-speed corners after that and yeah given how wet the track was off the racing line there is no real opportunity for yeah. passing other than on that real sweeper of turn one
0: yeah so, it was yeah, about a lap 11 or 12, the rain started to let up a little bit and the track started to dry out. So we had the race continue uh as it dried out, cars got faster. uh, Botos passed Kevin Magnuson, Ricardo was the guinea pig and the first one to pit for the dry tires. And uh his yeah, by that at that point uh, the track had dried out enough to where the dry towers were clearly the superior tires. So everybody followed him into the pits. Um, Valtteri Bottas had a pretty bad pit stop. I think it was like 12 seconds or something like that. So his, uh, his race was hampered a little bit by that, but he still ended up having a really good race. Um, yep. Alcon had an unsafe release uh, after his pit stop. His, his team released him into the pit lane right into the path of Lewis Hamilton, and they actually did crash into each other. They didn't uh, crash enough to end their races, thankfully, but um, Akon still had that unsafe release and was given a five-second penalty for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was... It's weird how they let him go so early. Yeah. I assume they're trying to... Try to get him ahead of Hamilton, but they had to have seen there's just no room for him.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how that happens. I mean, it's obviously you're trying to race and you think maybe you can get him out in time, but uh, I don't know what the deal is because you see you don't really see that stuff as much in IndyCar, uh, but you know in IndyCar you can also kind of like race each other to the pit line, which is different than F one. <laughs> yeah uh so you know it's just different sports do different things uh but yeah you don't want to <laughs> release cars into each other that's not not ideal when they're all moving the same speed um but yeah after that the track track had the a clear dry line where the dry tires were excelling but the rest of the track was still pretty damp because obviously you're not driving off of the main racing line very often Unless you're overtaking, but uh, since the track was still damp off of the racing line, it was really it's really slippery when you drive off of it um, on the dry tires. So that's what made overtaking super difficult uh, throughout most of the race, as well as the fact that the FIA didn't decide to open DRS until like lap 34, <laughs> when yeah. DRS could have been <laughs> activated on like lap 12 it was i don't i don't understand that at all
1: well it was kind of entertaining having a race with no drs for a little bit
0: yeah yeah well was it though because well after the pit stops after the pit stops for between like lap 20 and 30 really nothing happened nobody there were no overtakes nobody made any moves because everybody was too scared to go out on that wet line because they were just going to slide all over the place um, yeah, that's
1: fair enough. I guess it kind of spaced out during that middle section, so <laughs> it, I'm sure it went faster than it seemed just because I kind of stopped paying attention.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, yeah, so DRS, for those who don't know, is not available when the track is wet or when it is raining. Uh, it's the drag reduction system. It also takes downforce away from your rear wheels, which is why... Um, it's inactive when it's wet outside because, uh, it just takes grip away from you in the corners, basically, even though you're yeah, not supposed and... to have DRS in the corners. So I, <laughs> I didn't really all, I've never really understood this rule because you're always really in a straight line anyway, but, uh, that's not actually well, when... entirely true in Emma.
1: Yeah. When the track's wet enough, I'm sure adding an extra 30 kilometers an hour or 20 kilometers an hour is the last thing some trekkers want to do.
0: That's fair. It makes braking trickier. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that, but the fact is, it should have been, in my opinion, I guess not a fact, but it. Sh- <laughs> I really think it should have been opened about fifteen to twenty laps earlier. Uh, because the racing was just non-existent while it was closed. But you know, uh, they finally enabled it on lap thirty-four, and then, you know, the pack started closing up together again. And uh, racing kind of got back underway. But one notable thing on lap 41, Max Verstappen lapped Lewis Hamilton, which was interesting to watch.
1: (laughs) Yep, Yeah, there's very little, well, the announcers were very uh, excited about it. Excuse me. But, uh, I mean, it was pretty uneventful as far as blue flags go. Not a whole lot of fanfare or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the racing goes, it was textbook. I mean, Hamilton got out of Max's way, and that was that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just interesting. After, you know, three months ago, and you, if you told me three months ago Verstappen would be lapping Hamilton in the fourth race of the season, I'd be like, no. <laughs> uh, but Hamilton had a really tough weekend all weekend. I mean, in qualifying, he only qualified for, uh, 13th. 13th, yeah. Um and then he finished the sprint race 14th. So he just had a really rough weekend. Well, Russell has finished top 5 in every single race so far.
1: He's been having a really good run.
0: Yeah, for how that how bad that car seems to be, uh Russell's really putting it up there on the on the board. And he's really yeah, which- like He's still in the championship fight, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, it really makes you wonder, is is the car still really that bad or is Hamilton just struggling to get to grips with it where Russell just figured it out sooner?
0: Yeah, it's so hard to say. I mean you think of Hamilton as the as the GOAT kinda, you know. But yeah. then Russell walks in and is absolutely thrashing him. Whereas Hamilton is kinda hot and cold. He's had some good weekends, he's had a podium. But he's been on and off this whole season so far, whereas Russell's been top five every race. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch those two because I, I think that's going to be another battle that really kind of heats up as time goes on is the Hamilton-Russell battle. Yeah,
1: yeah it almost reminds me of the, the Ricardo-Lando dynamic that's been occurring where Lando has been doing pretty well and Ricardo just hasn't been able to get the same out of the car, it seems, this season.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, younger generation is here and making their presence known. Yep. So, yeah, but... So Verstappen lapped Hamilton early uh, lap 41, and then um, after that we had a couple of passes from Yuki Tsunoda, who had a spectacular race. He started in 12th place and finished in 7th, moving up 5 yeah. places, which for him especially is really good.
1: Yeah, it's a great race, especially he's been overshadowed by Gasly pretty often. I mean, Yuki's always been pretty capable of placing top 10, but the race today that he put on was really great.
0: Yeah, Yuki... Uh... He had a he had a rough season, a rough first season. So um, it's cool to see that he's he's starting to come to grips with the car, I think, and uh, starting to be competitive in that alfatori But um, then uh, on lap fifty, Leclerc decided to pit for soft tires. He was in third place, and they were well clear of the field, so they didn't he didn't have to worry about uh, anybody passing him. When he pit for those soft tires. Um, he was followed in by Perez on the next lap, and then Verstappen came in for Sauce on the next lap. Um,
1: yeah, trying to. All three of them trying to scoop up that fastest lap.
0: Yeah, the fastest lap, or just to try and change up the strategy and make something happen. Um, but Red Bull was able to cover it off with both drivers, and nothing changed because of it in terms of Red Bull. <laughs> but uh, LeClaire. Followed Perez out after Perez pitted, and uh, he he tried super hard to stay within Perez's DRS range, which is uh, the one second behind the car. But uh, in doing so, he pushed a little bit too hard over one of the toughest chicanes on the calendar. He hit the curb on the inside, caught air, and spun out into the wall. Um, (laughs) He was in third place, mind you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Notice he didn't hit the wall. He just, you know.
0: Well, he uh, he he, he, he tapped it. it. He, yes. He gave it a little a uh, little love tap, but um, it was enough to cause damage to his front wing, and uh, he was forced to pit again on lap fifty three for another new set of soft tires and a new front wing. Uh, in that time, he was passed by Lando Norris, George Russell, Valtteri Bottas. Uh, I believe Yuki Tsunoda, Sebastian Vettel, or I think Tsunoda. I don't think he got passed by Tsunoda yet, but he got passed by Vettel and Magnussen. He dropped all the way to ninth place. I know that as a result of his crash, um, but he was able to battle back in the last couple of laps and make it all the way back up to sixth by the end of the race.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the crucial thing here is Uh, Versus last year, you might be noticing a lot of trouble on outlaps after fresh tires for these teams. The FIA reduced the temperature, I believe, that the tires could be kept at before they're thrown onto the car. So it's even more crucial to have a a solid outlap just to get the tires warm. So drivers are, are losing a lot more time than previous years on their outlaps after a pit just due to having no grip with these tires. And couple that with some slick conditions at the pit exit it it really hurt a lot of the drivers who came out on fresh tires and weren't prepared for it
0: yeah that's been one of the themes this season I feel like I wonder if that's what Pirelli is experimenting with with this uh, round of tires Um, tire warm-up seems to be a way bigger factor than it has been in the past where when you come out of the pits your tires are cold so you have basically no grip Uh, which is why the undercut doesn't seem to work quite as well this season as it has in the past. Um, So, for instance, Sergio Perez, for the first round of pit stops, tried the undercut on Leclerc to gain some time on him, uh, pitting a lap before him to go on to the medium tires and hopefully have a good outlap to come out uh, farther ahead of Leclerc. However, due to the poor tire warm-up, Perez ended up having a pretty poor outlap, and Leclerc was actually able to jump him uh, on his inlap, which doesn't ha- or hasn't happened too often in the past.
1: Yeah, it, it's really interesting to see what's been happening with the tires. I wonder, do you think Pirelli and FI are kind of doing this on purpose, like you said, to reduce the severity and the effectiveness of the undercut, or is this just a side effect of some other change that the tires have undergone.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think I think they're doing it to to force racing a little more because if you think about it, it takes away the undercut, but the driver who pits first still has a massive advantage on the second lap he goes out because by then his tires have warmed up, whereas the driver who just pit now has the ice-cold tires. And right. So that's, that's how Perez was able to so easily re-pass Leclerc on that same lap is because he had the, the warm tires that were sticking to the track. So he was able to just cruise right by Leclerc, who was still sliding everywhere and just trying to keep it on the black stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, a really weird dynamic to watch.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I think they, they've, they they've tried a couple things like that, I think to try and improve racing, um, which I think actually they've done a pretty good job because so far the racing in general has been better this year than last year in the last, the previous mean. previous five years so yeah, I would say it's kind of mission accomplished for them there, but yeah uh, other than Leclerc's spin uh, that was pretty much the race with the podium ending up being Verstappen, Perez and Norris
1: yeah, great result for, well, minus the Daniel Ricciardo incident uh if he had been able to stay competitive in his spot this would have been a great weekend for mclaren
0: probably a lando had yeah. just
1: a really consistent drive
0: yeah lando was on his own the entire week <laughs> the entire race
1: <laughs> yeah yeah he pretty much didn't really trip up anywhere which is nice to see especially on a wet track and a change from conditions like sochi uh where he was in also a, a very high position leading the race and you know had some tire troubles tire management troubles um uh, bad call here and there and uh this season you see him maturing a bit more and being able to handle the car a bit better and make better choices
0: yeah it was a very good week for mclaren um even though ricardo didn't didn't uh, end up scoring any points um Just for the morale boost, I think, just coming out and putting in a solid weekend just based purely on pace, uh, I think is really good for McLaren to kind of get their attitudes and spirits up. Um, Even Norris, like, he was super negative at the beginning of the season about their chances, but after this race, he was talking about how, you know, he was really proud of his team and how they rallied and were able to turn the car around and get it to a spot where it's actually competitive every weekend it seems.
1: Yeah, I think this race and the Miami GP are both going to be a lot about McLaren just proving to themselves that they have pace again and showing that they might be the fastest Mercedes-powered team on the grid.
0: Absolutely. That would be pretty wild to have <laughs> McLaren go from what they were in the first race to, uh, you know, podium contenders every race. That's, uh, that's really good for them. I'm, uh, I'm happy to see that they're at least moving in the right direction as a as an avid McLaren fan myself. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, so let's go over the final results for the race. It was Verstappen followed by Perez, Norris, Russell, Bottas, Leclerc, Tsunoda, Vettel, Magnussen, Stroll, Albon, Gasly, Hamilton, Akan, Joe, Latifi, Schumacher, Ricardo, Alonso, and Sainz. Um, notably, Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel for Aston Martin both scored points this week. And oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yep, yeah, Aston Martin is now on the board in a big way. And not only that, they are in ninth place in the Constructors' Championship now. Wow. Yeah. So every Constructors team now has points on the board, which uh, I don't think has happened in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, it wasn't always a given, especially in the past couple of years leading up to the cost cut slash new regulation era.
0: Yeah, so that's a, that's something I, I find positive. Is all the teams now have points. There's nobody with zero, which I think is good. Yep. Um, Williams is uh, looking a little better. They didn't score points this week, but Alex Albon got 11th place and was looking pretty quick. He was able to fend off Pierre Gasly and Lewis Hamilton for actually most of the race. Yeah, that so, was
1: a really good run from him. He just seems really confident in the car, and that seems to be rubbing off on the rest of the team, too.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Latifi. Latifi actually had a better weekend, but... You know, that that wasn't hard to do. All he had no. to do was not crash. <laughs> um, so he managed that, but he ended up in P16, uh, finishing almost last of the finishers. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know... Finishing uh, last costs place. a lot
1: less than crashing out.
0: That is true. That is very, very true. So... He still, in my opinion, has to prove that uh, it's worth it for them to keep him. But, you know, he's uh, <laughs> getting a little better at least, not crashing every this week. Yep. But, uh, so let's move on to some talking points from the race. One, one thing this week was the red flags in qualifying, which were abundant. I think there were five red flags in qualifying. Um, took like an hour and 45 minutes to do an hour of qualifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. know when I uh, I didn't watch the race live, because here in the U.S. it's uh, it's an inconvenient time. <laughs> but looking at the the runtime, when I first turned on the video, and seeing just how long it was for qualifying, I was like, man, what happened here?
0: Yeah, lots of red flags. Um, but the one of the red flags was caused by Lando Norris at the very end of Q three. He was in third place and caused the red flag when there wasn't enough time left to get another run in after the red flag for the other cars. Um, so as a result of that, Lando Norris was able to start in the top three because he crashed essentially. Genius. <laughs> right, and this isn't the first time that this has happened. It happened twice last year. Most um, notably with Leclerc, right actually three times yes the first first two were with Leclerc uh first one in Monaco Leclerc put up pole position and before Max Verstappen was able to respond and put up a lap of his own Leclerc crashed into the wall and caused a red flag ending Q3 and resulting in Charles Leclerc crashing but ending up on pole position
1: yeah unfortunately Uh, that didn't turn out super well for him
0: No, he was unable to start the race because Ferrari took a risk and decided to not inspect his gearbox for damage after that crash.
1: Yeah, but uh, I think he learned something that day, and I think a
0: lot of people did. Yeah. (laughs) Well, all I know is that Leclerc still has not managed to finish a race in Monaco, which is his home race. (laughs) This year. This It's pretty sad. This year might be the year, but we'll see. (laughs)
1: as long as you don't see any McLarens give him a love tap
0: right (laughs) but uh, the second one was in Azerbaijan Leclerc put up a lap good enough for pole position and then his teammate Carlos Sainz crashed with Yuki Tsunoda uh, causing a red flag at the end of Q3 and causing his teammate Leclerc to be on pole position (laughs) So Very there difficult. was another instance of that. And then the last one was Mick Schumacher in France. Uh, got himself into Q2. Um, he had a time good enough for P14. Caused a red flag at the end of Q2, which ended the session. And he made it through to... He made it out of Q3 for the first time, and I think the only time that season. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> another example of a driver causing a red flag and benefiting because of it. So one of the things that I suggest, and a lot of other people have suggested, is to go to something similar to what IndyCar does, which is if you cause a red flag during a qualifying session, your best two lap times are deleted. Ooh. So basically that would... I think that would just make it completely fair. Like If you put up pole and then you crash... Your your time's going to get deleted, so, you know, that you, you're not incentivized to, <laughs> even though I don't think, I wouldn't say the drivers are incentivizing, or are trying to crash, or doing it on purpose. No. You know, there's always that kind of, like, thought in the back of your head, like, maybe they know, and subconsciously just think, okay, it's not a huge deal if I crash right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's more just motivation for them to uh, take it to... a little bit easy.
0: Yeah. So you know, um, that would be my suggestion for that. Uh, I I think the red flag rule should be changed a little bit. I also think that drivers shouldn't be able to change their tires under red flags. But uh, I think we did we talk about that last week? I think we did a little bit.
1: It sounds familiar. It's been so long since
0: last week. <laughs> or yeah, two weeks ago or whenever, whenever it was. Um. Also, Carlos Sainz is struggling to get his season going. He's now had two DNFs, which uh, Max has as well. But the uh, kicker on that one is Max has won every race that he hasn't DNFed. So, Carlos has not done that.
1: Just a victim of statistics.
0: Yep. Yeah, those stats are killer, man. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so as Sign struggles, Red Bull surges back into the title fight. Uh, They gained, I think... Except for the sprint race, they gained pretty much the maximum amount of points they could gain this week. Yep. Um, whereas Perez finished third in the sprint race, if he finished second, then that would have been the maximum amount of points Red Bull could have taken from the weekend. But uh, yeah, so that, that just shows you how, how uh, dominant Red Bull was this week.
1: Yeah, they had a, a really good weekend, and even though Perez didn't do super well in qualifying, he more than made up for it in the sprint race.
0: Absolutely. Uh, that tends to be a, a theme with him, actually. He doesn't usually do too well in qualifying, but then just absolutely kills it during the race.
1: Yeah, no matter the car, it seems. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty consistent that way.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, we talked about Mercedes and how Hamilton's been hot and cold. George Russell has been really consistent, though. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Mercedes can get back on top of their car. They're not. They're not too positive about it. Toto Wolff apologized to Hamilton after the race for how bad the car is. Um,
1: yeah, and a lot of people, I think rightly so, pointed out that it. Yeah, I don't know if it's entirely a car problem because George Russell and what is theoretically the same car. Uh, Scored major points for Mercedes this weekend.
0: Right, but you also have to remember he qualified 11th. So, I mean, that could be, you know, it could be, like you're saying, it could be him, and but it also could be the car. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, really, it's really difficult to tell when you've got two very different drivers <laughs> in the car. Yeah, definitely. And one's basically, like, kind of a rookie in that team, and then the other one is super established and a seven-time world champion. So... And they're flipped to where you think they would be. It's odd.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: But, uh, yeah. So that was the kind of our overview of the race. It wasn't too eventful. But, uh, you know, not complaining. It wasn't bad. It was still entertaining. So we'll move on to our segments. Uh, First one being the overtake of the week. And I am giving this one to Roy Nissany on Ralph Boschung on lap one of the F2 feature race, which wow. uh, it's just uh, one driver on one driver is what I listed. But uh, Nissany started P6 in that race and came out of came out of turn one in first place. <laughs> he had the the best start I think I've ever seen in single seater cars, and uh, flew past five people, uh, including Boschung, to. I think, take the lead or second place. Or one. Well, it was, I don't remember exactly where he ended up, but it was the top two for sure. Um, and he absolutely sent it around the outside. So good job to him. It was pretty exciting to watch. <laughs> but we'll move on to the Pit Stop Championship for this week. And then I also have the totals so far because it's been a couple weeks and I think we should go over where all the teams are. All right. So, this week for the GP, the top 10 pit stop finishers were Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly, Sebastian Vettel, Alex Albon, and Mick Schumacher. Perez had the fastest pit stop with a time of 29.627. And Valtteri Bottas had the slowest pit stop with a time of 40.957.
1: Yeah, we saw some actually pretty good uh, pit stop times. A lot of uh, low two-second ranges for the teams. Yeah,
0: it seems like the teams are starting to get used to it a little more and starting to speed up again. But, um, yeah, so the spread between the first place and tenth place pit stop was one point three seven five seven or yeah one point three five seven seconds and the, the spread between first and last place was eleven point three three seconds so batas kind of boosted that one a little bit as yes, he does I feel like batas is just the unluckiest person alive when it comes to pit stops. he always gets screwed over. Doesn't matter what team he's on, uh, they'll always find a way to mess it up. Yeah, Bottas last place in the pit stop championship. Well, I don't think actually that's I don't think that's true, but uh, (laughs) anyway. So the top three teams overall right now are Red Bull, McLaren, and Ferrari. Red Bull with one hundred and thirty-five points, McLaren with ninety, and Ferrari with fifty. And to
1: be clear, this is points for the pit stop championship.
0: Yes, points for the okay, pit I'd, stop championship.
1: I had a little lapse there, and I was really confused.
0: No, now you're good. <laughs> Sorry, I should have specified. Um, so for the drivers in the pit stop championship, the top three are Perez, Norris, and Verstappen. Perez with 93 points, Norris with 57, and Verstappen with 42.
1: Perez is so, really running away with this championship.
0: Yeah, Perez is getting definitely... Uh, a good deal with the pit stops. <laughs> Can't be too too upset about that. Yeah. But, uh, okay, we will move on to our predictions for the GP that we made two weeks ago. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Did I? How many times really have I said science course. is going to win? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think I keep saying science is going to win, but then he never does. If you just so. keep hammering it, eventually it's got to come true. Eventually, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like a lottery number.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so, okay, we'll start with I. my predictions for Imola. The top five were Sainz, Verstappen, Perez, Russell, Hamilton, with my dark horse being Norris. What was your top five, Ben?
1: Mine was uh, Leclerc, Sainz, Russell, Perez, And Norris with Bottas as
0: my dark horse. Gotcha. So to remind everybody, the actual top five was Verstappen, Perez, Norris, Russell, and Bottas. So So you had uh, Bottas doing well, which he did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I had Verstappen DNFing.
0: Yes, I also had Leclerc DNFing. But to be fair, Leclerc was not in the top five, so I got that right at least.
1: Yes, uh, it seems we were both very bullish on Sainz, and that kind of bit us.
0: Yep, I had signs winning, and he DNF'd on the first lap.
1: <laughs> yep, we both did have Russell Norris and Perez uh, somewhere in yes. that list, so good job us.
0: Yeah, for sure. I had Hamilton as my fifth, and that was not the case. Matt's fine he'll get there eventually i'm sure maybe hopefully (laughs) maybe
1: one day he'll he'll be as good as the great drivers like lewis hamilton and uh michael schumacher
0: yeah (laughs) yeah um so the fastest lap predictions i had verstappen
1: and i had leclerc
0: okay and i believe it went to verstappen yeah it was because he had the grand slam ah dang it um so, driver of the day, I said Lando Norris.
1: And I had LeClaire again.
0: And I think it was Verstappen. <laughs> it was Verstappen, yeah. Ah, dang it. Can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> so, yeah, you had LeClaire sweeping the weekend. I had Verstappen sweeping most of it, and it ended up being Verstappen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, so... With all that being said, let's move on to our predictions for the next race, which is in Miami. Alright, top five. I went first last week, so I will let you go first this week, Ben. Okay, for my top five,
1: I think I'm going to go over Stoppin, followed by Leclerc. I'm going to put Perez right behind him. Uh, Then I think Science. so that's four. And I'll have Norris as my fifth. And as my dark horse for somewhere in that running. That's a that's a tough one. Um well, maybe not. Maybe we'll just go Russell. I think that's a pretty solid
0: attempt. Okay. Alright, um for mine, I'm gonna say science. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> okay. I got he's gotta win one. I'm just going to keep you saying you think Miami's going to be the place he does it uh well honestly we have no information about Miami yet so it's it's all a toss up fair enough but, uh, so I'll say science, and then LeClaire and then Perez and then Verstappen and then 5th place I'm going to put Daniel Ricciardo with oh, my dark horse as Lando Norris.
1: That is very... You have first Verstappen so low.
0: I think Ferrari's going to do really well. Maybe. I don't know. I actually have no clue, but I'm like, <laughs> Perez has to beat Verstappen <laughs> at some point of the season. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess he doesn't have to. I don't think he really did last season, so. <laughs> but yeah. he's been actually a lot closer, to be fair to him. He's been a lot closer to Max. He's been figuring it out for sure. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, our fastest lap predictions. What do I'm you gonna think? You can go Perez. Perez, okay. I'm going to say Leclerc. Okay. Driver of the day. Mm.
1: It's Miami. I don't really have a a, a home driver who's going to really resonate, I don't think. So, I'm going to go with whoever has the best race. And I think. That we're gonna be looking at Verstappen for that.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna say the Americans really come to support their team, and I'm gonna say Kevin Magnuson.
1: Interesting. Well, hopefully Kevin Magnussen has a good race in Miami.
0: Yes, that would be nice. <laughs> he's been he's been doing really well too. Like uh, it's there's been a lot of surprise uh performers this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, do we have like an um, an American tifosi,
0: if you will? Uh, probably for like Andretti, I'd say. For Andretti. For Haas uh, though. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think we have a tifosi for Haas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all the machinists out there.
0: Yeah, all the all the machinists gathering together with their safety yeah. glasses.
1: Every professional CNC operator. Uh, within a 100-mile radius. I'm sure he'll be cheering on Haas.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there yeah, we go. I'm sure.
1: The machinists, we'll call him. <laughs> Do
0: you have anything else you want to cover before we sign off for the episode, Ben? I think I've spoken my piece. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I will just move into the outro. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of RevHang. If you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RevHangMedia. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing or even about us, post a tweet at hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. If you'd like to learn more about Ben's race car and are curious what he named it, you can follow his team at OIT Racing on Instagram. You can also follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and or myself at 2N underscore squared. We will return in two weeks to talk about the very exciting debut of the Miami Grand Prix in the United States. But until then, I have been Nathan.
1: And I've been Ben.
0: Thanks for hanging out, guys.
1: We'll see you next time.